Welcome to the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Worland. As an autoimmune warrior myself, I understand that day-to-day, even moment-to-moment, living with autoimmunity isn't easy. You're not alone. This podcast is to give hope to living with an autoimmune disease. I will interview individuals living with autoimmune disease along with experts and businesses to help provide knowledge and hope. Before I introduce my next guest, here is an ad that made this podcast possible. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Samantha Nahara. As CEO of the media and marketing firm Heartfire Media, she has led the company to work with clients including University Health Systems, Pizza Patron, Salvation Army, American Heart Association, and won several awards along the way. Samantha is also founder of Badass of the Week. In 2017, she co-created The Bean and Chisme Show, a bilingual comedy that celebrates Latino lifestyle. She also finds time to serve on the board of the Westside YMCA in San Antonio and St. Jude's Ranch for Children. I brought her on the show to share how she juggles business, being a healthy Latina mom, and a caregiver for her mom who has lupus. So let's get started. Hey, Sam, thank you for your time and just wanted to see how are you doing today in this moment? I'm good. I'm good. Things could always be a little bit better, but I can't complain. I'm doing good. Yeah. And I brought you on the show just because you have a very diverse background. You are very in tune with the San Antonio community and you also have something that you I never heard you talk about. You are a caretaker of your mom who has lupus. Yes. And I think you your involvement in the community and how you're taking care of yourself and juggling many things, being a businesswoman, CEO, you have a, you know, I wouldn't say side hustle, you're prospering in <laughs> your, your comedy. And you also have your daughter and your mom who you take care of. And my dad. And your dad. That's right. And your dad. (laughs) (laughs) I can't forget that. (laughs) Yes. And well, your your dog also. I can't forget that also. Two dogs. Two dogs. And how do you how do you juggle everything? Um, I cry a lot. (laughs) I cry a lot. Um, no, honestly, I found, you know, the best balance possible by putting myself first. So if I can put myself first, then I'm able to like pour into other people and help other people. But I used to do the opposite. I used to help everybody else first and then I was left last and I had nothing left to give at one point and, you know, drove myself into the ground, stress, no, no sleep, no, whatever. It was about everybody else and just was in pure survival mode. And so yeah. I had to start all over, start from scratch, reevaluate everything about my life. And then I started doing myself first. And then everybody else second, which it was very um, counterintuitive for me because I'm like, am I selfish? I should be doing other things. Oh, it's like I take sometimes when I take a break, like just watch a show on Netflix. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I should have been doing this. should have been doing that. I'm like, no, you took a break because you needed a break. Yeah. So that, that, that kind of um, thought process and learning to think that way took me a while. But I did it. And that's kind of how I survived and balanced it all. Yeah. 
And how long ago was that, that you had to do this reevaluation process on yourself? Um, it happened, I call it the crash of 2020. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I feel like I was already on my way to the tipping scale of self-destruction um, early in January. And I think COVID just tipped me over. It was a bunch of brewing things already happening. And there was signs. There was a lot of signs that I was burning out and I just didn't pay attention. And so it's um, from like 2020 to like, I would say pretty much all of 2021. It took me a long time, lots of therapy, um, medication, doctors, and, and that whole journey. So yeah, it took a while to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about your Instagram is that you do promote taking care of yourself. And you just mentioned right now, therapy, medication. How is it to talk about these things in the Hispanic community? Yeah, I think at first, um, it was kind of like, should I say anything? And believe it or not, um, which you probably believe if you're Hispanic, right? <laughs> you get yes. it. My mom made me feel like you shouldn't air out all your business. Um, because she was taught that's not what you do you know she was taught private you don't talk about this you don't talk about that and then I was like you know what no it's a new that was back then this is now we're totally different people totally different um age of like sharing information and so it was like no you know and I think because if I would have heard or seen somebody go through what I went through it would have helped me Right. And I did find some people and some books. I read a lot of books and, and saw pot, re, um, listened to a lot of podcasts like this. <laughs> um, but if it wasn't for people being brave and doing that, then I wouldn't have the information, you know? Yeah. Um, when you're desperate in that desperate place, it, it means a lot to just hear a, a word of encouragement or feel like you're not alone. Yeah. Not the only one. So I did it anyway. I was like, I don't care. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I just, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And what are those habits or rituals that you, that keep you grounded right now? Um, so one of the lifesavers that I really found during that time for me, it was called the miracle morning. And I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I have. But miracle. if you, if you mind sharing for people that haven't. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's really about getting up a little bit earlier to dedicate your morning to doing the things called the savers and the savers. I think I honestly don't know it's a, an acronym, but it's like, you know, meditation, affirmations, reading and exercise. It's like four or five different things in a row you do in the morning and that prayer all in that order. And if you dedicate an hour or two in your morning in the quiet to do all of those things, you set your day up for success and it allows you to process everything happening, but without getting overwhelmed. Yeah. And when I started doing that consistently. I even put like day 30, day 31, I journaled everything. I could feel myself starting to feel better. Mm. And yeah. then I was able to think clearly, okay, what are the next steps I need to do for my medical health? You know, okay, then, then that was done. And then I was like, okay, what are the steps I need to do to be physically better? What can I do? You know, so little things like, hey, if you're going to get eight to 10 hours of sleep, that means you have to dedicate yourself to going to bed at nine and there's non a negotiable or putting down your electronics by eight little things help me kind of start to get myself back again. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that morning ritual 
not only set you up for that self-care time, but also helped you get organized with, okay, what, what do I need to do next? Instead of just going moment to moment. Yes, it helps you organize your thoughts. And once your thoughts are organized and you're not so overwhelmed, you can take the right baby steps to get yourself better. But you can't, mm -hmm. when, you, when you're in that messy place, in that dark place, you can't even think of like what you did five minutes ago. Like it's just, it's a hard, especially with brain fog, forget it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's another beast to overcome for sure. Yeah, because you're not getting enough sleep and all these things kind of play into it. But yeah. I'm wondering, what are some non-negotiables? I know you talked about your morning ritual, but these non-negotiables, it's either no lying, no, you know, either physically, emotionally, mentally, what are some non-negotiables you're not willing to put up with? Or you're willing to say, I have to do this every day? Yeah, and that's a great question because I, that was one that I struggled with. And a lot of it was honestly boundaries. Um, besides, you know, yes, exercise five days a week, get my rest and take at least a 30 to minute to an hour break in my day. And I was thinking to myself too, you know, um, like if you had a corporate job, you would have to take a break because at 12 or one, they make you go somewhere for an hour and then you come back, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah do that for yourself, eat a sandwich and come back and like go watch a show, come back. Like, I just don't know why I didn't ever think that way. Um, but the boundaries, that's kind of what helps. And boundaries helped me because I got a therapist and the therapist helped me so much because she kind of walked me through steps that I, from listening to me so much, she was like, this is what you need to do. And so she was like, you know, I know you love your family and I know you love your daughter and your friends, but you need to say no. And that's my non-negotiable. Like if it doesn't serve me or make me feel better, make me a better person, um, flow with what I'm already trying to do, then I can say no. And that means saying no to baby showers and quinceaneras and birthday parties. <laughs> There's always a lot of those in our in yeah, Hispanic family. Yeah. And it's still something I struggle with because there's so many events that I've started to say no. And I honestly thought when I had a kid, they were going to stop telling me inviting me. No, girl. <laughs> they invite you more. <laughs> they invite you more because they know you're single. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love making. So um, there was that. And then, you know, for my family, my immediate family, you know, we, a lot of the cultural tradition is to kind of feed off of each other, commingle each other's, whether it's finances or, you know, emotional problems, being pretty much being in each other's business. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? it doesn't serve me. Because if they're not thinking the way that I do, the negativity will pull away from what I'm trying to do. Um, and it's not that a lot of times family doesn't come at you because they're trying to do it in a mean way or malicious way. It's just a bad habit mm. of negativity or asking you to do a lot of things and you just have to say no. And, you know, or if somebody says something like I'm coming from a good place and they tear it down, then you have to learn how to dodge it and say, sorry, like I'll talk to you about this later. You change the subject. And I didn't know how to do that. And so with letting all that just tear me down and make me feel guilty, um, a big one was my daughter. Even with my daughter, the therapist was like, do you let her, like, do you have a babysitter besides your mom or your sister? And I'm like, no. And she's like, you need to let her play with other kids. And I'm like, how could I leave her, I, you know, or I would leave her with a friend or whatever. And I would rush back to go get her because I felt guilty. And she was like, no, your daughter needs that development time and that social time as well. 
So you need to separate yourself, go get your nails done, go get a facial and then go get food and then come back. You don't need to always be like feeling guilty about leaving her. And so lots of little boundaries like that um, I had to build for myself. And then I was able to, again, think clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Free free up some space for yourself so you can gain momentum, it sounds like. Yeah. And, and another thing, if the third thing I would say is asking for help, Mm. I'm very, you know, um, hard headed and independent, ambitious. So I'm like, no, I, I can cut my own grass. I can unload all my groceries and fix my house. And, and it's like, really, like realistically, nobody can do it by themselves. They're not meant to. And so now anytime anybody offers, I just say yes. (laughs) I never did before. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with if people are offering it's because they genuinely want to help you. So yeah. Yes yeah. to all help. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where um this idea comes from. I don't know if it's Hispanic or just the our our generation where we're taught like, no, you gotta do it yourself if you want something done. Or you gotta bring up your own kids, or you you can't ask outside and family members to take care of your kids because you wow. never know. So it almost, it, it seems like you really had to really shift and do a lot of work over these past two years to get to where you're at now. Yeah, I did. And I'm still doing, there's still a little bit of here and there, you know, there's still days where I feel like I'm going backwards and then you have to um, come back and you got to snap yourself out of it. But it's the recovery time is a lot faster, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. slipping into depression can um, really take you backwards. But if you keep practicing all those things, like I said, in the morning and you stick to your rituals and the bounce back is so much faster. Yeah, yeah, you notice it. Yeah, because we're, we're all gonna have bad days, triggers, you're gonna have triggers where it just kind of takes you down down that path. And I'm just like, nope, we work too hard. <laughs> to too get long. to where you're I'm at. We're not going there again, ever. Yeah. yeah. And I know you've been doing like that, the self work, but as far as how do you keep nutrition in? Cause I know we've talked about sleep. You've talked about these rituals and I've also seen you on Instagram where you're eating better. How do you go from being, you know, having these tradition cultures or, or eating to where you're at now? Yeah. Um, I think it's just a change in, um, habits and then again, setting boundaries for like family or friends who are going to tempt you. So like my, my family already knows, don't even ask her because she's going to say no. <laughs> Cause they, they'll eat like tacos and big red for breakfast. And I already know, but they know on the weekends, she's probably going to say yes. So but I had to teach them by saying no, like over and over and over. And then I, of course, just the things that I keep in the house, it's as simple as that. Like I just won't buy junk food and we don't buy sodas and just, I won't keep it around. Um, Cause I know myself. <laughs> yeah. You, you see it more as a, a treat to have the tacos uh, and the big red and on yeah. the weekends instead of, Oh, I, I can't have it every day or I can't have it ever. It's, it's a balance. Yes, it is. And then one, you see the results and then two other people see your results and then they start complimenting you and you're like, Oh my God, you look so different. And then it starts to make your confidence go up. And then, um, 
you know, you also feel better. Like who doesn't want to feel better? Yeah. And it's almost like we know this. We already know if I drink a lot of water and I eat partially healthy meals, I'm going to feel good and sleep better. It all, it all works together. You know, like, why didn't we do this earlier? <laughs> but it's just, again, the daily habits. And I think it's the miracle morning that says, if you can do something for like 40 days in a row, it'll become a habit. And if you do it for 60 days in a row, it'll be like for a lifetime, like whatever the, the thing is that you're trying to do. Yeah. More natural, like brushing your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, matter what. <laughs> <Right>, exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's shift if you don't mind to you being a caregiver. And I, I know, um, we kind of briefly talked about this, you taking care of yourself, but we always hear about the oxygen mask to put the oxygen mask, you know, you're on the plane, put the oxygen mask on yourself, and then you can put it on others. Um, I, I believe that really resonates to this situation sure. because if you weren't taking care of yourself, how would you be able to juggle everything you have and take care of your mom and your dad? Exactly. And my daughter. Yeah. It's, that's why I keep myself number one. That's it. Yeah. So if we shift to your mom having lupus, um, when did your mom get diagnosed? I'm going to say it was at least um, 10 years ago. And she started off with um, just all kinds of random health issues. Um, and they thought she had rheumatoid arthritis and that was it. And then it developed and then add on the lupus later when she was diagnosed. And so when that happened, they gave her a pretty like dark and gray, you know, you got only got two years to live. So, and this was That's scary. not even 50 at that time. It was very scary. We were, you know, I was in my, I was 20, um, 25 or something like that. And then, you know, my sister was 27, my brother was 22. So we were all fairly young. And so she put on her big girl panties, as I say, and she just was like, no, just because somebody says that, I'm gonna do what I have to do and I'm gonna survive this. And she did, and she did. And so she's had lots of ups and downs. And about eight years ago, she had um, one of her kidneys removed mm. because they did find cancerous cells in there and it was just a tumor that was too big. So they just took it out. Wow. So that kind of declined her a little bit. Um, yeah. And so it's been a long journey for her and she, but she's just such a warrior that I'm so, I admire her so much because you would never know. She's one of those people that, yeah, she's a little bit slow and a little achy here and there, but from her attitude, you'd never know. She's, she's got a severe illness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how has your life changed since she's been diagnosed? Um, luckily it hasn't changed that much. Um, of course, you know, you're on alert, stress levels are a little bit higher, but because she takes care of herself and she sought so much help and she's on top of her doctor's appointments and her labs and her medication, she's really, she's probably like the ideal patient mm -hmm. um, besides her nutrition. <laughs> which we're still trying to get her on her for that. 
But other than that, she's like, okay, no, I took this this day and she writes everything down. She's that, that's probably where I get it from, you know? Yeah. She's one off for sure. She's she's on top of her game yeah. when it comes to, does a lot of research on her own. And then, you know, um, so she's she's really good. But yeah, it's it's taken a toll on us, but luckily she's taken most of the load. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing the work, it sounds like. Yeah. It, and being organized with everything she has going on, the medications. Yeah. And, and she has breakdowns. Like there's days where and it's almost like we have code words for each other because she knows when I'm having like high anxiety and I know when she just doesn't feel well. And it's so funny because I'm glad that I went through what I went through with my mental health because it was hard to express how I was feeling when you don't know what it is. And you're just like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I don't feel good. I just don't feel good. And I don't want you to talk to me, but I want you to sit here and stay with me, but I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you to talk. Like, how do you explain that? To <laughs> now I get how my mom feels. Whatever it is she's like physically feeling that's bothering her. I don't know what that feels like, but all she has to say is I don't feel well today. And I got it. I get it. So I just say, okay, whatever you need, get some, lay down and let, let's, let's kind of go through one by one what's going on. And I just kind of be patient with her like that. I know how it feels now. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like how you mentioned the communication is very that needs to be very good and it needs to be something that is established with any caregiver or support that you're having because sometimes you don't even you won't even have the words to comprehend. Like this is like you said, how do you explain how you feel sometimes the words don't even come to you you're just so tired or ha your anxiety levels are so high or you're so depressed you don't have the words to explain and having that understanding with somebody else makes things so much easier so it sounds like that is number one yes. to have that communication yep have one at least one person that you can just so I know it's not going to make any sense. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just start spewing out however you're feeling. And that helps a thousand percent because a lot of people don't even know how to do that. Just mm -hmm. opening up to how they're feeling. But if you really just do that, even if it doesn't come out perfectly, it's going to help tremendously. So yeah, she's very good at communicating. And, and it's not just me. Like she'll, she'll communicate to my brother, my sister and her sisters. And so she's got a little bit of a, a good network of people that she yeah. checks in with daily. Yeah. And it also hear that with you, you have this, since you were able to work on your mental health and build this diverse way of expressing yourself or really learning what these feelings are, it has helped you to understand where she's coming from, like you said. What has she expressed to you, if you don't mind sharing? that she, she, that she's going through on her um, own. Yeah. So I think for her, it's the struggle of, um, when she has a bad day, she doesn't feel good. And so what she wants to do is get up and run around. Cause my mom is like, she wants to be in the Gaia. Like if she could be at all the <laughs> running around cooking, that's what she would do. But it, I think it hurts her when she just has those days and she just lays in bed and watches TV, she'll get up to move around or whatever, clean up, 
here, clean up there, but she really wants to be out and about. And I think that hurts her um, when she's having a bad day, um, you know, or, you know, she'll say, um, this is like, she'll tell me the spot. Cause I think she has this thing called hot spots where like it travels around her body or something. Mm-hmm. So she'll be like, oh my God, it's my back today. Or the other day it'll be like her elbow or inflammation happens wherever it happens for her. So she expresses very specific physical ailments of how it's hurting her. Um, but you never know, like that's the thing with her disease is like, she can have a good month, a good few weeks, a good two months, and then boom, like it's just, but you know what? We went to Disney last December for six days and she walked every day. She was a warrior. We all were dead by the end of the six days. Oh, wow. Yeah. But she did it. She did it. And That's I was amazing. so proud of her. Yeah. And I was like, can we please buy you the scooter? The, the She refused to take the scooter. I was like, okay, I'm not coming back with you to Disney next time without that scooter because she felt <laughs> a little too much. But I was so proud of her for doing yeah. it. That's absolutely amazing because we all know how much walking there is and then how hot it is. Oh yeah, depending on the time of year, yes. Yeah, yeah but you said they went to do through December, but even then, I mean, that is amazing. She was able to do that for so many days on roll. And yeah. that's a good point to talk about it. Some people don't understand. You mentioned how your mom, she looks good. You wouldn't have ever thought. And that's the, the problem that we, people with any autoimmune, but also lupus, they would always say, yeah, but you look okay. You look fine. But they don't understand the struggle that every day of what we have to put up with. And, and then also it's isolation. Like you said, you know, you may feel good, but then something may happen. And the next day you can't do the same thing you did the day before or like a month or, you know, things things happen. So I'm glad that you're mentioning these things because you're witness to it and you've noticed this as a caregiver. Yeah, definitely. And you know, she has all kinds of little things like some sleepless nights, um, her anxiety flares up too, you know, because it's not, once you have something like that, it has an onset of trickle effects of other things, you know? And so thankfully mentally, she's super strong, super strong. But every now and then she does get anxiety too, um, which I, I'm fully aware of that. Um, <laughs> I know how to calm her down that in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a, it's an up and down roller coaster for sure. I'm wondering what symptoms did you notice before your mom did? I don't remember. Um, all I remember is that we thought she had really bad arthritis mm. because she was so stiff. And so she, you know, she worked for 20 years for an airline. And so we always thought like, oh, you have carpal tunnel or something from being on a computer all the time. That was the number one. The number one was achiness. And she'd be like, oh, like my shoulder. I think I have tennis elbow one day and like carpal tunnel. We were just like, do you have arthritis? Like what is going on with your achiness? You know, some sort of stiffness. And then the second sign was her skin color changed. Her skin was like super, she was kind of like me, like middle, middle, medium, like olive, and she got darker. Her skin mm-hmm. got really dark. Um, hair loss, hair loss was a big one. And even like her hair texture changed 
So just little, but it was over time. It wasn't like all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. And what systems do you have in place? I know you said that y'all have a little bit of a cold word, but what systems do you have in place to, you know, help, help each other out? So when you're busy, she knows when to call you or vice versa, or do you call every day or is it one, two, three knocks or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let me know if it's an emergency. Um, right. So, again, our text messaging, we communicate often like multiple times a day. So there's that. But you just have to say, I don't feel well. Yeah. That's, it. That's the word. Because we're strong women. And when a strong woman has to come and tell you that, something's up. We're not going to say it just because. Yeah. Yeah. It's, because it's like, okay. That's an alert. Yeah, that's the word. I don't feel well. I'm like, oh, shit. So... That's pretty much it. And then, so she also writes everything down, everything from her doctors, the phone numbers, the type of medication she's taking, it's all written down. And she's like, if anything ever happens to me, it's in the journal, it's in the thing. Um, we know where her medications are, you know, um, she's kind of repeated only because after you've been involved for so long, the same thing with the dad, I tell you exactly what he's on. I can tell you all his medications because I've been through the journey with him. Same thing for her. I can tell you what medications she takes and when she takes them. Um, so if you're just kind of, just be a little bit aware. You can be aware of each other. You don't have to know everything, but just be aware of it. And that helps, that helps. Yeah. And yeah. as far as for you, who do you have in your corner to help you with your support? Because you're taking care of her, you're taking care of your daughter, you're taking care of your, your dad. Who do you go to for your support? I know you said you have your therapist, but anybody, anything that helps you? I have a few friends. I have a couple friends that when, you know, it was really bad, they were my rock. They were my people. Um, and so it's so interesting. COVID helped you find your people real quick because we kind of all like went into our own little pods, right? Of like, this is it. Yeah. So I found my people, thankfully, um, who I also communicate with daily. And I like that they're on me because they'll know, like they know when I'm, they'll be like, hey, are you, you need to slow down. I see you're doing too much. Or, you know, when I talk to them and start complaining about a bunch of stuff, that's one of the triggers for me is like, I can tell I'm not doing well when it goes from like bright and sunny day to like, all I can do is just complain about everything. That's my mm -hmm. red flag. Like, okay. All of a sudden everything's negative. Nothing goes right. And you went from like this happy, bubbly, positive person. So for me, either I'm hungry, I need a nap or I need a break, a big break, not just a little day off. You need a few days to reset. Yeah. Oh, I can just tell my little, my little red flags that come up. But yeah, I have my friends. They're the ones that are helpful to me. And then, of course, I have a doctor that I found who's also very helpful when I call her. So Good. And what advice do you have for caregivers that are listening? Um, you know, I think it's just obviously empathy um, and patience. Empathy, you know, just because you may not feel what they're feeling and you don't understand, but just be willing to listen. And then um, 
you know, just be patient with them. Don't get frustrated, but just understand that maybe one day you'll be sick and you'll want the same compassion from somebody just to kind of be there. And um, like I said, you don't need to know every detail of all their medications, all the doctors, because it's, it is overwhelming. It's a lot, but just be aware of it kind of every now and then touch base with them. Um, and also ask them how they're feeling, you know, just do the, the daily check-in or depending on how close to your situation, the relationship is with the person, you know, do your communication. So how are you feeling? Is everything okay? Do you need anything? And, you know, it is a balance because you don't want to um, take over too much where they suck the life out of you, but, you know, you do it from your heart. And if you do it from your heart, then it, it doesn't feel like you have to do it. You do it because you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's very lucky to have a daughter like you. Oh, thank uh, you. She is lucky. Tell her. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and here are some questions that I've been asking everybody. If you can go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? I was like, girl. <laughs> hold on for dear life because it's not going to be I, mean, I would say um, all the cliche things but you know um, I would say life is not going to be perfect but it's going to be a lot of fun mm. so just enjoy it because life is short and it's going to go by so fast so don't even think about the perfect journey you can also, you know, you can dream and wish and all that, but don't hold on so tight to it that when life disappoints you, you're just like, you know, you crumble, but just enjoy and go with the flow and life will be much more enjoyable that way. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now and how are you tackling it? Um, which one, girl? <laughs> which one? <laughs> well, I have a bad thyroid. I think I mentioned that to you. And then I also, I'm on hormone therapy, testosterone, because I don't make, my body doesn't make any. So balancing my physical health um, is also something that um, I just, I'm exhausted all the time. And so I'm always having to figure out, okay, what's going on today? So balancing that, and of course work, you know, um, I'm producing the third season of our comedy show coming up this fall. Yay, with- congratulations. Thank you. Um, I have a very big vision for it and I'm really passionate and excited about it, but it's also very scary. It's a big undertaking. And so just the stress of like all of the pieces of the puzzle coming together, you know, when you're in life and you just want to like wave a wand and wish it was all done and everything was organized in place. I'm in the weeds right now, mm. day by day putting together this full blown comedy show that's going to air in the fall. And so being executive producer, it comes with a lot of responsibility, but I wouldn't have anybody else doing it, right? Like, I want to be the one doing it. I love what I do. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, being a good mom and work, making money, um, paying the mortgage, and then obviously, you know, producing the show. So it's, but I always feel like this is life and it's always going to be that way. Um, some, some seasons are going to be easier than others, but I'm in a season of like growth and growth is painful, you know, so. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you have that struggle with being tired all the time. I mean, we're, we're right there with you, all your listeners, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure how you do it in juggling all those things that you do, but definitely looking forward to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I think 
a big chunk of it is mental. Mm -hmm. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, so for instance, like I have some clients that I need to tend to today, but if I can't tend to them, I think I'll be okay. And it doesn't mean they're going to hate me and it doesn't mean they're not going to pay me. It's just, I have the rest of the month and it's okay. <laughs> you know? So mentally, I just need to be nice to myself and I, I get through it that way. Yeah. It goes back to that, that, that kindness that we were talking about, though, taking care of yourself and checking in where are you really at sounds like yeah and being being nice to yourself is one of those things you have to also practice so yeah and what gives you the, that motivation to keep on going you know i i have so many things to be grateful for so many things so it's so easy for me to um at this point back then when it was all dark and gray you don't see any hope or any light. <laughs> Nothing's, nothing's worth it. Um, but now I'm more in a place of gratitude. And that's another tip I practice in the morning. I write five things down very quickly that I'm grateful for. Um, sometimes I meditate on what I'm grateful for. But um, when you find all the things that are such a big blessing, then it's easy to be like, oh my gosh, it's so worth it. But you know, my daughter, I want a good life for her. And I want to be able to better her, um, I guess, better our family, our generation of family. And so I'm trying to make everything good for her. Um, but then, you know, I get a lot of fans like yourself and other people who are like, your videos and your posts make me laugh or they bring me joy. I was depressed and I watch your YouTube channel and it just makes my day or my, you watch your TikToks or whatever I get. And then in person, they hug you and they thank you. And they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, so that affirms to me that I'm doing the right thing and it makes it worth it. Yeah. And like, well, I guess if I was on earth for this short amount of time to just make people laugh and that, that's fine. I'm grateful for that. Okay, cool. Was that my assignment, God? <laughs> Wait, that is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. So I just say, God, whatever you want to do, if that's the one impact I had on people, then that's what keeps me going is yeah. knowing that I have a purpose in that. Yeah. yeah. And having that type of mentality of that humor, that being able to translate what happens every day and make it humorous and make it so people can recognize it and connect with it. That's not easy. I mean, that is a, <laughs> that's a huge taking and being able to develop that into laughter and having all these people connect with it. Cause I mean, if you connect with one or two people, but no, you've got a huge following and you're making an impact not only with, yeah, you started off with the comedy that we, we, we talked about of the Hispanic culture, but you are also making that impact because you're also talking about your personal life, what you're doing to take care of yourself. And that's making people question, like, what am I doing? How, you know, you're, you're being that voice, like you said, that you needed a long time ago. So yeah, thank you. I think you're, you're creating more of an impact through other ways. Gotcha. Thank you. I try. Um, I think it's just something that comedy is either what I'm just learning. It's either you have it or you don't. If not that you have to go to school for or whatever, either, either your brain operates like that or you just constantly think of funny, stupid things like, <laughs> or it doesn't, that's okay. Um, I can't sing, you know, it just doesn't, it just either have it or you don't. I don't know. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. And I'm happy. If that's all I can do, I'm happy to be an inspiration in all those ways. Thank you. And before we part, just wanted to find out how can people find you, work with you, because you have your own media company and you're doing all these numerous things. How can people connect with you? So across all platforms, my personal pages on social media are under the T-H-E, or the Sam Nahera. Um, and then being in cheese, man, you can just Google it and all of our, our platforms are, we're literally TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, of course. And then, um, Heartfire Media is the name of my marketing consultancy. So all you gotta do is Google and you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> Google Google it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not that hard. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and I'll let you... We're going to set our boundaries right now and part. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Samantha. She shared how she went from stressed out to enjoying life and gave us some tips on how she juggles it all. To work with Sam at Heartfire Media, see the show notes below or Google it, like she said. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the show, leave a rating, a review, so others can find the podcast. Also, share it with someone that may enjoy this podcast and a fellow autoimmune warrior so they too can have hope and be stronger than autoimmune. Thank you for your support.